They are the Chai kids. Chai kids. For kids. By kids. Good afternoon and welcome to the Chai Kids show for kids by kids. Thank you so much for tuning on 101.9 Chai FM. My name is Mika and I am 10 years old and I will be host- hosting for you today. So coming up on Kha Kids Today, I will be interviewing Andy Wasang and he is a communications manager from BirdLife SA. So stay tuned to 101.9 Chaya FM to learn more what, about what he does, why he does it and how cool it is. Also on the show, I have a tongue twister to challenge your mouth and fun facts that will blow your mind away. So stay tuned, you won't, won't want to miss this Kid show. Here are the details if you have any questions for my guest, or even if you want to say hi to your friends and family. The SMS number is 34519 and is charged at 1 Rand 50. You can send me a telegram on, on 061-895-1019 and please don't forget to sign your name. You can also call us on 010-140-3020. I repeat, 010-140-3020. Get ready for a jam-packed show on Kha Kids today. Screech, 
was Harry the Hardy Daw from Beautiful Creature. This is Ha Kids, Four Kids, Ba Kids. My name is Mika and I'm your host for today. Before we start the interview with Andy Wasang, I want to introduce the tongue twister for today. It is Rory the Warrior and Roger the Warrior. I repeat, Rory the Warrior and Roger the Warrior. A bit later, I will count how many times you can say the tongue twister in 10 seconds. So call me on 0101403020 to see if you can say it fast, faster than me. I have Andy Wasang with me in the studio today. So if you have any questions for him, you can send them on 34519 or telegram to 061 895-1019. Good afternoon. Good afternoon, Andy Wasan. Good afternoon, Mika. How are you? Thank Good, you thanks. so much for having me on your show. Pleasure. So, how long have you been working at BirdLife South Africa? So, funny enough, I actually just started um, at BirdLife South Africa this year after many years of work experience working in more of the corporate sector um, in marketing. So I started in January this year, um, 10th of January. So I've been at BirdLife South Africa for about six months now. I started a, a week before um, a big voyage that we took to Marion Island, uh, the Southern Islands, Subantarctic Islands on the way to Antarctica. So it was quite an interesting time to, to start um, with a week to go to organizing a flock to Marion. Um, so it's been a busy start, definitely, but I'm, I'm very happy to be working at BirdLife South Africa now. Wow, that's interesting. When was BirdLife South Africa established and what role does it play in the South, Africa, South African ecological space? So it actually started in 1905, going way back to 1905 as the South African Ornithologists Union. Uh, and then it became a, a series of other names, Southern African Ornithological Society and the Southern African um, between 1930 and 1996. And then we partnered, we became the official country partner of um, BirdLife International, which is based in the UK uh, in 1996. So 25, 26 years ago, we joined BirdLife International and, and became BirdLife South Africa as the official country partner. Um, and from, a, from an ecological space, so we have a number of sort of scientific and conservation programs that BirdLife South Africa um, champions, uh, specifically to do with um, birds and bird conservation. And really our, our vision as BirdLife South Africa is to see a country where people in nature are living in greater harmony. You know, as, as you know, this is not always the case at the moment. And that's, that's our vision is to see you know, birds um, as indicators of 
an environment that, that thrives. So basically, that's why BirdLife South Africa strives to conserve birds as well as the habitats and the biodiversity that they live in. And we do that through a number of different programs, um, conservation programs, events, membership. And we encourage people to use land equitably and you know, just get out and enjoy and value, value nature. Um, and we have a membership-based organization as well uh, that helps us get the word out there. And we encourage people to, to join BirdLife South Africa to help us achieve this mission. Oh, wow, that's awesome. How does BirdLife South Africa help birds and how do birds help us? Okay, so we have a number of different um, programs ranging from seabirds to landscape birds, look after a number of different flagship species. Um, so our, our, our organization has um, conservation managers on the ground and project managers who work with a number of species to, to save these species. And some of them are obviously on the brink of survival. And we're very concerned about some of the species. So um, we save species. We try to conserve sites and different habitats. Um, we also encourage sustainability. So we, through education um, and, and uh, educating the youth, to conserve birds and the landscapes that they live in. Um, and then also just to make birds more positive through um, people's livelihoods. So we, we have an AV tourism program where we train bird guides, uh, especially um, people from underprivileged backgrounds and communities um, to become bird guides so that they can take people on, on expeditions to see different, different bird species, some of which are quite rare and obviously attract tourists um, to the different areas. Um, so we're a non-profit public benefit organization and we, we the only dedicated bird conservation organization in South Africa. We also have our own magazine. So some of your, your listeners might know African Bird Life. So that's our, that's our magazine that comes out six times a year. And through the magazine, we try to create awareness and education about these different bird species and also inspire people to take an interest in birds through beautiful photography and articles and um, educational pieces as well okay yeah what happened in your life that made you decide that made you decide birds were important to you so when i was about seven years old um i moved from cape town up to zimbabwe our neighboring zimbabwe and i was very fortunate to live um in quite a wild area a game reserve near victoria falls so along the the big zambezi river um, and I was very lucky to live for three years um, in a nature reserve where, where birds obviously were, were everywhere. Um, you know, they were part of my everyday life. And when I went to school in the morning, um, I woke up to um, what's known as the dawn chorus. And the dawn chorus really is when you open your eyes at sort of six o'clock in the morning, seven o'clock, maybe now in winter, it's a bit darker for, late, for longer. Um, and you hear all those birds in your garden starting to wake up. That's often known as the dawn chorus. So when I lived in, in that area, you can just imagine that dawn chorus was very inspiring. Um, and birds just became yeah, a big part of my life. Um, and then, yeah, so it, it's made sense uh, now that I moved to an organization that really aligns with uh, my passions. Wow, I love birds also. What is your favorite <laughs> bird? My favorite bird, so this is always a tough one to ask a, a bird enthusiast, but I think it relates to when I lived in Zimbabwe because, like I said, the alarm clock in the morning, instead of being my uh, cell phone alarm, which it is now, was a bird called um, a white-browed robin chat. 
uh, some people know it as a Huglin's Robin. The previous name for it was a Huglin's Robin. It's now called a white-browed Robin chat. Very, very beautiful uh, bird with a bright orange um, chest and a white streak over its eye. And it's very, very noisy, but the noise it makes is very, very beautiful. Um, so that was my alarm clock uh, in the morning when I lived in Zimbabwe. And uh, I think that's probably why that's, that's my favorite bird. Um, there's also a, a, a common bird that um, many of your listeners will know in South Africa and up in areas like the Kruger National Park called a battler uh, eagle. And the battler is also one of my favorite birds, probably because we used to see a lot of them where I lived in that game reserve as well. Wow. Did you want to become something else and what was it? I don't, I don't think so. I can't really remember a time career-wise where where I um, didn't want to work in, in conservation or, um, or birds and wildlife and the environment. My studying took me through um, journalism training in school at, at Rhodes University. So I went to uh, the small town of Grahamstown in the Eastern Cape and I studied journalism because I, I loved writing and I love storytelling. Um, and from journalism, I, I got into um, writing and writing took me into the world of marketing. So working on a number of different companies and organizations and brands. And from there, I, I worked for about 10 years in marketing and decided uh, that the time was right to put my skills to use in bird conservation or, or conservation in general. So that's why I say I'm, I'm happy to have joined BirdLife South Africa now um, because I can't really remember a time when I wanted to be, be something else, no. So you've done a few things. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> What birds do humans eat? Uh, well, other than other than chickens, um, you know, in, in a country such as ours, where you know many children and, and families are going hungry and are impoverished, uh, in some in some of the poorer areas in our country, you know, our country is the the most um, unequal country in the world in terms of the economy. Um, so there's a, there are a lot of people in South Africa who do rely on, on birds for nourishment. Um, for protein and some of those include garden birds such as um, mouse birds and uh, guinea fowls that you might see running around Johannesburg um, so people do do use birds as a source of protein when they when they need to but mm. some of our work in in these um, underprivileged areas focuses on um, you know changing the the narrative of birds as a source of food to becoming something worth watching and enjoying and using birds um, to grow tourism in the, in the area and, and, you know, bring in tourists and make a living off, off bird tourism. Yeah. Gee, that's amazing. Are we at risk of our birds becoming extinct and how can we help? So there are some birds that are in, in trouble, um, some more than others. So if I look, for example, you may know the area of Dalstrom, so in Mpumalanga, just near Dalstrom is an area called Middlepunt. And um, our team, uh, our landscape conservation team, has uh, is working with a species called a white-winged flufftail. And there are not many cases of this bird breeding in our country. In fact, previously they thought it didn't breed in South Africa. They thought it bred in Ethiopia and then just visited South Africa. But it turns out it is actually a, a viable breeding area for this bird and it, and it lives in South Africa. And, and that is what we call critically endangered, which means that the population of this bird is dwindling upwards of 80%. I might even be mistaken, it might be 
in about 10 years. So you can just imagine if, if 90% of these birds are disappearing before our eyes in the last 10 years or the last generation, um, then this bird is definitely in trouble, unfortunately. And there's a number of other species that are, um, that are struggling. Um, vultures, so vultures are sometimes seen as, as not the prettiest birds because they, they clean up um, wildlife uh, carcasses in, in the bush, but they're very, very important for our ecosystems and they, they clean up a lot of the waste. And vultures, unfortunately, for a number of reasons are endangered. M most of South Africa's vultures are endangered and some of them are critically endangered. So yeah, they're in a lot of trouble. Shame. How do wind turbines and pollution affect birds? So pollution, to use a recent example, we've all been wearing face masks during sort of two years of COVID and lockdown. And there've been a number of sightings already since we started discarding these masks. Um, some people are not discarding of their face masks as responsibly as they should. And they're ending up in our oceans and in our land. So there've been a number of sightings of birds seen with face masks around their feet or around their, their, their beaks. And in this pollution like this, especially plastics, can either you know cause the cause harm to the birds physically, or they can they they eat the plastics um, and then it goes into their um, immune system. So uh, plastics is is one one thing we try to encourage people to stay away from. Wind turbines, um, uh, although it might be hard to imagine that these these big wind turbines have a, a knock-on effect on bird populations. There are some birds, um, one example is called a, a black harrier, a very beautiful bird. If you go and look up a black harrier afterwards or look in, um, in your nearest bird book. And mm. this is uh, what, we call, what we call an endemic bird. So that means that it, it, it only exists here in Southern Africa. So South Africa and our neighbors. Um, and it's, a, yeah, it's an endemic um, bird of prey. And the region that this black carrier lives in is very popular for wind energy. And obviously um, we need energy to survive, to work, to live. Uh, we're very dependent on, on energy and um, with coal mining and coal energy not being so, so clean um, and sustainable, there's a big move towards renewable energy like wind. And so we obviously encourage um, renewable energy like wind just because it's renewable and more sustainable doesn't mean it's, it has no harm on the environment. So mm. we just have to be careful when building things like wind farms, you know, to, to do the right assessments and to talk to the experts on the ground, especially those who are monitoring birds, like I said, the black carrier, for the impact it has on these birds, because there, there are a number of collisions that take place between wind turbines and bird populations. There's another example in, in Lesotho, just along the Drakensberg, where a bird called a bearded vulture, um, very beautiful, beautiful bird that lives up high up in the mountains, also is at risk of, um, of becoming uh, critically endangered. In fact, it is critically in, endangered in that area. So there, to answer your question about extinction, there is, a, there is a chance of a bird like that becoming extinct in those areas if there's too much... Um, renewable wind energy in that in that area yeah shame is it legal to have peacocks in urban areas uh, Micah, i'm not sure if it's legal per se but um what i can tell you is, is peacocks are um are you here sorry i hope i, I hope i didn't 
cut out there. It seemed to cut out on my side. So let me, let me try yeah. continue. Um, yeah, I was just saying, so peacocks are, are from, um, not from here. So they're not uh, South African species. So they could be seen as an invasive species. Um, but I'm not sure if it's, uh, if it's legal um, to have them in, in urban areas. Generally, our position on this, uh, including common miners. So many people will know common miner birds in their garden and Sometimes people feel as though um, these common miners displace other birds in their garden. But our position generally is um, on, on invasive species, as long as they're not having a, a notable effect uh, on the, um, the natural fauna and flora. So plants, the insects, the, you know, the, the biodiversity in general, other birds. If we are seeing a, you know, a steep decline in gray luries or gray go-away bird, as they're now called, because of common miners, or if uh, peacocks were having an invasive effect, then we would, we would probably release a statement um, about that as BirdLife South Africa to say that, that you know, we, we agree or disagree with um, the ownership of these uh, or the existence of these birds in urban areas. BirdLife South Africa also has a, a lot of resources. So like I said earlier, we do a lot of educational work and we have resources, free resources on our website from bird checklists right through to position statements and the position statements uh, help us um, recommend what we should do with things like um, peacocks, uh, common miners, um, etc. Yeah. Mm. So on that note, let's take a quick song break and we'll be right back. I really hope I can do it because they're all depending on me. I know that I must leave the only home I've ever known and brave the dangers of the forest, saving them before they're eaten. I mean, how hard can that be? Looking up at a sunny sky so shiny and blue and there's a butterfly well isn't that a super fantastic sign it's gonna be a fantastic day such marvelousness it's gonna bring got a pocket full of songs that i'm gonna sing and i'm ready to take on
by kids. For kids, by kids. That song was Get Back Up Again from Trolls. This is Ha Kids, For Kids, By Kids. My name is Mika and I am 10 years old. So, are birds intelligent and can you give us some, exam- some examples of such birds? Yeah, some, some, of the, some birds that we study are, are very intelligent. Um, there was recently um, a TV show, um, you may know Netflix, um, an international uh, streaming TV, TV program, where um, there's a show called BBC Springwatch, and they've recently released some evidence to show um, that one of the birds, if I'm not mistaken, it's called a magpie species, which we don't get here, but it's closely related probably to starlings, which we do get here. Um, they put this bird through a series of tests. And you may know a game called Mousetrap. I'm not sure how popular Mousetrap still is, but no. Mousetrap basically, you have to go through step one to unlock step two. And then you've got to go through step two to unlock step three and make your way eventually um, out of this trap. And they tested this on, on this bird and it, it basically had to pick up a, a, a certain length of stick in order to open a, a gate or a, a door and, and then pick up a, a rock and drop the rock on a weight in order to unlock the next sort of clue, if I can call it that. Um, and this was the first time that they caught this on camera of this particular species getting through all six or seven steps um, in order to, to, to free itself or in order to um, unlock all the clues. There are also some bird species that mimic other birds. So again, to use a local example, rather, um, in the Kalahari area of our country, which is to, to the west, um, sort of the central western parts of our country and extends all the way up into Botswana and Namibia, there's a bird species called a fork-tailed drongo. And a fork-tailed drongo is very intelligent um, and it's quite a common bird. You will see it all over our country and in places like the Kruger National Park. But next time your listeners hopefully uh, do see one, it's worth stopping um, and just watching them for a little bit. Because in the, in the Kalahari, just as one example, these drongos mimic other birds. Um, they, in fact, they mimic, mimic the birds of prey that prey on the meerkats. Um, so what they do is they wait for the meerkats to find their next meal while they're foraging for breakfast. And when the meerkat finds its, its meal, whether it's a, an insect uh, or a dragonfly, etc., the drongo will pretend to mimic um, the bird of prey so that the meerkats run underground back into their den, into their burrow for protection. And then obviously the food that the meerkat has caught is left exposed and the drongo will go and pick up this, this food. So birds, that's one example of birds using mimicry to survive, purely for survival because they, they, they're after the food. Um, there's also a bird called a, a red-capped robin chat, which can mimic up to something like 40 different sounds, different birds. Um, and I've personally heard this, this bird. It, it used to be called a, a Natal robin. Uh, for those of your listeners who know it as a Natal robin, uh, can mimic up to 40 different bird species, um, telephones ringing, barking dogs, um, and generally, it's not 100% understood why they do this. You know, the world of conservation and biodiversity is, is constantly challenging itself. But the, but the research um, suggests that they usually do this for either survival or to impress a fellow bird, a mate, and sometimes to protect their nest or territory. So 
they might use mimicry as well to um, pretend to be a different bird so that um, a certain predator will stay away, as in the example of the, the fork-tailed drongo. So I do believe they, they're far more intelligent than we, we give them credit for, yeah. That's really smart. What are we not allowed to feed? What are we not allowed to feed birds? Okay, so the best, best place for me to, to send you is, um, I mentioned our position statements. And BirdLife South Africa has an official statement on our website of um, responsible feeding of birds versus um, irresponsible feeding of birds. So, for example, what we shouldn't feed birds, we really discourage the use of artificial sugar. So artificial sugar products, um, artificial colorants. So um, there's an there's a, a artificial sugar called xylitol, which is um, it's a sweetener which is used in tea and coffee and things like that. And some of these um, liquid sugars are, have xylitol or a fake sweetener in them. And birds struggle to digest these, um, these sugars, and it can definitely cause um, the sudden death of, of birds that feed on nectar. Um, there's also um, honey is also something that we discourage people from using. Um, it's also it's quite a complex a sugar that birds can't break down naturally. And this is the same for things like bovril or marmite or protein supplements. So when you are feeding birds in your garden, you should also be careful to clean your bird feeder, to wash it, to give the birds uh, clean water, because if water sits for too long, it can become dirty and, and toxic. And then you might, you might find that you have um, a, a bird now and then in your garden that's, um, that hasn't made it because it's perhaps, you know, eating dirty water or um, the wrong kinds of sugars. But generally, um, there's a lot of um, bird seeds um, brands that you can feed birds in your garden. You can set up a bird feeder. There's um, there's little sweat balls as well that you can put, which attracts birds like barbets and fruit-eating birds like um, go-away birds and mouse birds. So there there is a lot that you can um, feed birds in your in your garden, especially in urban areas in places like Johannesburg, where you know it's it's really enjoyable to sit and watch the birds in your garden. But we also do caution against overfeeding. Um, birds they don't become too reliant on us and if you're in a wild area a game reserve or a nature reserve then we definitely discourage uh, feeding of wild birds because again you don't want them to become too dependent and then in times like winter they forget how to forage or find food for themselves yeah so very good very good question you ask especially in a place like Joburg where many of us do enjoy birds in our garden <laughs> gee it's amazing what they can't eat what happens at a bird fair so a bird fair is an annual event um, where we, we get a whole bunch of birders, non-birders, people who are just starting out and taking an interest in birding right through to your qualified conservationists, ornithologists who live and study birds daily to all get together and talk about birds and, and understand more about birds. You know, so all of these things you and I are discussing, like birds mimicking and the intelligence of birds and um, the conservation status of some of our more threatened birds. These are all things that we talk about at the African Bird Fair. Uh, so every year we, we put on an, a bird fair and in the past, um, we've usually held them at the Walter Sisulu National Botanical Garden as a nice opportunity to get out into the sun. Um, there's also um, amazing birds at the Botanical Garden, including black eagles or Varix's eagles. However, with COVID, as you know, we all had to go indoors and, and uh, join virtually. 
And uh, so we had our bird fair for the last two years as a virtual bird fair where people tuned in via Zoom to attend talks and quiz nights. And there's also an auction um, with all the proceeds going towards our bird conservation work, for example. So yeah, our bird fair is coming up in three days, if I'm not mistaken. We are counting the days down now and it starts on Friday and it ends on Saturday night. And it's, um, it's virtual and it's in person this year because we're allowed to gather again outdoors responsibly. And so on Saturday, there's an in-person bird fair at our, our offices in Dunkeld West. And then on Friday and Saturday, um, people can also tune in virtually and sign up uh, on, our, on our website, which is birdlife.org.za. So everyone can find out more information about our, our annual bird fair, which we're very much, very much looking forward to and hope that you'll join us. Gee, that's awesome. I hope to come. Do all birds migrate? And what does migrate mean? So migration is, is really um, very incredible. I'll give you an example of it um, shortly. But basically in May, just around May or before May, uh, a number of bird species come to South Africa from Europe, um, Asia, even as far north as the Arctic, the Arctic Circle, which is right at the top of the, of, of the planet. And then in around October, they, many of the species go back. Some of them sometimes will stay, um, whether, it's, whether it's on purpose or not, we still, science is still figuring out. But generally migration is for the purposes of breeding. So birds that breed in Europe will sometimes come to Africa or Southern Africa in our case for a warm summer. And we have a very nice warm temperate climate here. And then they, they may need to go back and breed in Europe. Um, so they'll come out in summer when it's, when it's winter in the Arctic, and you can imagine it's freezing and snowing, and then go back to the breeding grounds. Um, so some example, examples of this are European rollers. And part of migration we work in is um, the East Atlantic Flyway Initiative. So you can imagine for a bird, it's about no more than 10 grams um, or 20 grams in weight. Um, to fly tens of thousands of kilometers between South Africa and Europe, what an incredible feat that must be. But in order to do that, they also have to stop over at a number of different places to rest, uh, to, to feed. So we have to also protect these areas that these birds go through because it's one thing for us to try to protect a species in South Africa, but it's another thing if that species has to travel through 20 different countries in order to, to survive. So we have to partner with these countries and that's why the BirdLife International Partnership is so important that we joined in 1996 because through BirdLife International, we have all these different country partners and we work with them um, on an initiative called the East Atlantic Flyaway Initiative, which protects all of these, these sites where birds um, roost or breed. So, so that's why we rely heavily on those, on those partnerships because migration is, is incredible. Um, and recently we did actually see a map of one of the European rollers that we track. Um, and this European roller traveled across the, across the world and you could see exactly where, it's, where it traveled to between um, South Africa and, and Europe or Asia. Wow. So before I carry on with you, Andy, I'm going to quickly just remind everyone what the, what the tongue twister is. It is Rory the Warrior and Roger the Warrior. Our cool fun facts are about birds. Did you know ostrich eyes are, are the largest of any other animal that lives on land?
The unique black and white colouring of penguins works as camouflage. Ravens are great at, at, mim at mimicking human speech and sounds, and most parrots only learn around 50 words. Some African grey parrots have been known to learn hundreds. Einstein, a brilliant African grey parrot, parrot at the Knoxville Zoo can say around 200 words. Now those are cool facts. If you have your own fun facts about birds, you can send them on our SMS line on 34519 or telegram to 061-895-1019. And also if you have any questions for Andy Wasang, you can send on an SMS to 34519 or telegram to 061-895-1019 or call on 010-140-3020. Now let me carry on with my questions. How good are birds' eyesight and which bird can see the furthest? So, Michael, one of the, the most well-known birds for its vision is definitely got to be um, the eagles and the vultures. So when you're driving around, whether it's in Johannesburg or further, further north or further into Mpumalanga, um, you're seeing more, more and more of these birds of prey. And you'll see these eagles flying high up in the air, uh, kilometers and kilometers above the ground. And from from several kilometers away vultures are they say that vultures could see um an animal an animal carcass for example uh from kilometers away so it's probably i speak under correction but i would say that the the bird of the best eyesight has got to be uh, the vultures and they catch these these thermals which is hot hot wind effectively hot air and they use the hot air which rises and they catch these they catch these thermals to go up to, to get right up into the air to see very far and to see where they can catch either prey um, or scavengers like vultures can go and find a, a carcass to feed on. Wow. Before we, take, before we take a quick song break, my first joke of the day is, what do you give a sick bird? Tweetment. On that note, let's take a quick song break. Boulders, join the young ones and the olders For the party of parties is soon to begin Dress to the nines, stand in straight lines Dive through the surf and fish you're bound to find Gestation time has come and gone Baby penguins have arrived It's time to do the penguin polka Time to dance and jive We can glide, we can dance and we can slide When we're hungry we eat fish And squid's our favorite dish 50-50 land water Cause we are amphibious Our predators include the shark We better watch out for let the seals We don't want to end up 
Party. This is Ha Kids, Four Kids, Bar Kids. My name is Mika and I am 10 years old. Are you ready for the tongue twister? This is how it works. You can call us on 0101403020 and I will count how many times you can say this the tongue twister in 10 seconds. You can call me on O one O one four O three O two O to see if you can say the tongue twister faster than me. I will start. Vusi, please start the timer. Rory the warrior and Roger the warrior. 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 Do we have any callers for the tongue twister? If not, let's do the tongue twister with Andy. Andy, would you like to do the tongue twister? Sure, let me give it my, my best shot. How many seconds do I need to Ten. try and go for? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Do you know it? Rory, Rory the warrior and Roger the warrior. 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 Did I already, did I already mess up? <laughs> well done. <laughs> My final joke of the day is what is black and white and black and white and black and white? A penguin falling down the stairs. That was funny. Well done for trying the tongue twister. This has been Ha Kids, Four Kids, Bar Kids. My name is Mika and I'm 10 years old. Thank you to my guest, Andy Wasang, for coming on my show. My, my producers, Senna and Vusi, push, for pushing the big red buttons. Join us again tomorrow with another Kids show only on 101.9 Chai FM. That, that was Kids, 4Kids, Bar Kids.